The Moten Mailbag is brought to you by the Robert Russo Moten Museum, located in Farmville, Virginia. The Moten Museum is a civil rights museum focusing on the history of Prince Edward County between 1951 and 1964. Director of Education and Public Programs. And I'm Leah Brown, the Assistant Director of Education. The Moten Mailbag is a weekly listener question show. Each week we'll answer questions about U.S. history, African American culture, civil rights, and more. Feel free to submit your questions via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moten Museum, or you can email us at info at motenmuseum.org. So, I think probably by the time you hear this, I think we'll be reopened. Yeah. Open in June 15th? That sounds right. I thought I wanted to say the 25th. I'm like, no, that's too late. That's actually, that's when the contracts, that's when we sign contracts or something. Anyways, um, what do you, what do you miss, what are you looking forward to the most about reopening? Mine is an easy answer. People? Like... Like, haircut's my answer. Oh but. my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I will admit I've enjoyed watching the hair journey you have been on. It's been hilarious. because you're trifling and you don't like me. Do you know how much hair I have? You're laughing at my suffering. Do you know <laughs> how many burns <laughs> I have had from fighting? <laughs> I don't, but it's I like, don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't envy long hair. Yeah. And I will get my hair cut as soon as it is but yeah, responsible. Uh, I understand your struggle. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. I'm about to be bald for real. Oh I'm my about god. To shave everything. <laughs> and and people will be like, why are you bald? Because I want to be leave me alone. Hairline's not receding or anything yet. I'm like, just it's just easier. I'm about to just start shaving. I wear hats. <laughs> so I don't be cold. Oh my god. Why do, why does he with the beanie on? I go. I rock a beanie. I rock a beanie. Or like a fedora. Did you just say the word fedora to me? Yeah, Bruno, Bruno <laughs> Mars it up. Like, I give me a little fedora. Or, oh, Bruno, yeah. Or throw it back and get like a. Okay, you get a top hat. I mean, you shouldn't, but you should. What are those hats called? Hey, it's like Run DMC. Like, Kangos? Can- the Kangos? Can- yeah. Can- My dad has hat. some of those. I, yeah. I can rock one of those. I mean, I would think it's great, but I'm an enabler, so. And I can give me a little tracksuit and get some Adidas. Get that big chain, we're good to go. <laughs> we are happy that things are opening back up, but we encourage people to be safe, follow mm-hmm. guidelines by CDC, by your local health organizations. Um, but we look forward to being back open, you know, because it's people. We need people. We're a cultural site, you know. It, it's been great what support we have gotten while closed, but it, it's a significant decrease of what we get than yeah. when, usually when people are here and able to, to, to donate more freely and things like that. So, you know, go places, support your, you know, your cultural sites if you're able, if you feel safe. Um, but yeah, please support your your, your cultural orgs if you want yeah. us to, to still be around and not be canceled like summertime and canceled mm-hmm. like buffets. <laughs> I seriously wonder what is Golden Corral gonna like. I hope nobody CEO of Golden Corral nothing's listening. I doubt they are, but like, what are they gonna do? Like, cause I don't. I, it's a valid question. We'll probably never go back to a Golden Corral. They they keep selling the rolls. Yeah. They'll probably do like a dinner thing, like yeah. a dinner package. They probably just do a regular, be a regular restaurant and not be a buffet. But yeah. this Golden Corral, like you go to it because it's a buffet. Like I can get 
a chocolate covered marshmallow or and sushi and a steak and fried chicken in the same city. Like that's kind of their thing, but like it's also gross. It's American cuisine. Them sneeze guards. I'm like, those are so like tiny. I'm just like, I didn't even know what those were until the pandemic. Honestly, I've been in so many really? and I'd seen it. I had no idea. What? I just figured if somebody had to sneeze, they would turn around. Oh, <laughs> you, you expect <laughs> things from people. That's the difference. I thought it was etiquette. I was like, what? I said, these were sneeze guards? I'm like, that's not protecting no sneeze. Mm-hmm. Like when you sneeze, you sneeze it, like five meters or something, gone. something crazy. Gone. Like you sneeze a super far distance <laughs> and, it, and it stays in the air for like 20 minutes or something. So like. With that little tiny, anyways, tangents aside, like I, I don't think I'll ever go back to a normal round. I feel like my spirit is telling me I had to tell you this story. Oh lordy! Oh my god! Somebody was in like a grocery store and they had like a, like a make a meal kind of thing, like a salad bar. They had mm-hmm. a soup thing. This dude, hands to God, rolled up to the soup thing, picked up the ladle, drunk out of it, dipped it back in, drunk out of it again, and just walked off. Mhm. Mhm. I just can't. Like, in what universe would that be permissible? Good behavior? riddance, buffets. Good <laughs> riddance. Figure something else out. Oh my Atlanta. <laughs> I, I just don't know why. I'm the shook. look of horror on your face is magical. I'm sure because that's gross. Like people messing people gross. messing with food is like one of my biggest pet peeves mm-hmm. and fears. I am, I am the nicest person. I'm, we're sorry for this tangent, but I got to finish now. <laughs> <laughs> I am the nicest person, and I tip probably the best out of anybody in my entire friend group. People being like, oh, I'm like, you being all rude to these people making your food? I'm like, all right, you end up with something in it. I'm like, you better stop playing. Like, I know too many of these people who have worked here before. They used to be my friends or colleagues or high school, you know, classmates. And I know if you're rude, that some, some, some hands might not get washed or something, you know. So I'm just like, I am the kindest, the nicest. I don't care how long it takes. I'm like, look, I get it. I will get my food when I get my food. Thank you so much for your hard work. Like, I am the kindest. Uh, just because, one, it's a nice thing to do. But, two, I don't want to buy much of my food. Like, we got to, no. Also, like, nobody made you go to a restaurant. You chose True. to go. True. So just, you know. Yeah, if you don't tip, Be kind. don't go out. Like, I, that is another pet. Like, I, I didn't mean for this to be. Let's just pretend somebody asked us what our <laughs> restaurant uh, pet peeves were. Not tipping, seriously. Just don't go out. Yeah, Some people are like, I can't, afford, I can't afford to go out. I'm like, then don't sit in a restaurant because mm-hmm. this is how these people get paid. Mm-hmm. They make a dollar and 30 cents an hour or something ridiculously low, and the mm-hmm. only money they get is on tips. Like, oh, well, they didn't do this fast enough. I'm like, well, they probably have other people they're waiting on, too. Like, mm-hmm. I get it. If they're, like, absolutely terrible, and they yeah. even then I still tip minimum 15%. Even if they were t- if they were the worst, the worst server I've ever got, the lowest I've tipped is 15%. Because people still got to eat. People still got to live. Right. People, this is their job. And now, however, if they're really, really bad, I'll still tip and I'll complain to the manager if it really gets to that level. But, like, just tip. Like, come on, like. Seriously, like just tip. Like this is their livelihood. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I feel like going out and have a good time, but I can't afford to tip. Like, just so get don't, fast don't food. Go. That means you can't afford like, to go out. That sucks. Like, but it's it's tip because it, it. Oh, I'll eat, but I just won't pay the person who's bringing me the food. No, that's not right. I agree. I'm with you. Do you have any other pet peeves in restaurants? <laughs> Do you have any other rants? Since we're, since we're already, we just need a rant corner. That'll be a segment of. Oh my uh, god, that'd be rant, fun. Rant of the week. Um, 
Well, anyways, I think it's a good time to say to transition into actual <laughs> questions that people ask us and that are riffing. But buffets are canceled. I'm sorry. I'm, I will miss them. The buffets are canceled. <sighs> anyways, <laughs> first question, and Leah wins me first because I'm sure her answer will be better, and I need time to think about my thoughts. Leah, what are your, and this is very broad, so I'm curious to see how she interprets this question, but what are your top three favorite historical moments? Okay, guys, number one, of course, is the Battle of Yorktown, because I love it. It's amazing, and it's just magical, and the power of place, you know, big old nerd, going to read out nine and ten, being like, oh my god, Hamilton was here, this is amazing, blah, 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 blah. Michelle Lafayette? Yeah. Okay, so, got that one. We knew knew that was coming. Second thing, the Harriet Tubman raid. Okay, here we go. Set the scene. Harriet Tubman is working with the Union Army. So, African-American woman, part of the Union Army. All right, so let's go. June 2nd, 1863. Um, Oh, Lord. An African-American troop, like... I think it's the, read my writing, the 150th, were with Harriet Tubman and they freed over 700 people who were enslaved in one raid. The Combahee Ferry Raid, that's the name of it, it's in South Carolina. All right, so here we go. She was with the army. She was, I think she was a laundress, she was a chef, a cook, not a chef, cook. And then she learned the waterways she learned where the mines were in the river. Okay, let me calm down. Here we go. Wait, so, what's the difference between a chef and a cook? Well, that's in there. I think it's like, I guess if you've been to like a school, like you're a chef, like you've gone through like the, the logistics mm-hmm. of cooking, and you had like a particular training maybe, versus like, oh, I cook. Like an apprentice versus a yeah master or whatever they yeah I get you. But then like some people are just like, they just cook you know that like back and forth. All right, sorry. Like a tangent's coming. I gotta put put the tangent down. We'll get back to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like thinking about how over seven hundred people. Think about that number. Over seven hundred people were were free that day because of the raid. Yeah. All right. Big fan of a boat. Very simple one. Tidewater, Virginia. It's kind of like the explain all me. Waterways and land. It, it is what it is. So learning the landscape, learning the waterways, mm-hmm. learning where the, the mines were, that military aspect of it. She just like went on through constantly being shot at, by the way. And she managed to save, well, she and the troops. Right. Got to give them the yeah. USCT, United States Color Troops, their shout out as well. Saving over like hundreds of people in one raid. That's amazing. It's amazing. And it's just like, oh my God. How did you, how did you, how do you even start to plan that? How do you make that happen you know it's just like the whole event it's like Mm -hmm. it's awesome okay and last thing because this this just cracks me up all right so of course i looked just to see where i read this at 
but I, I read a lot, so it's somewhere in the ether. So W.E.B. Du Bois was in his office, and down the hall, or across the hall, these guys were just making all this noise, all this ruckus, and he was hot. He was mad. It was Thurgood Marshall and the crew. And like, I'm like, do what now? Like, what? No. No. And then I was reading uh, Maya Angelou's book, All God's Children Need Traveling Shoes. She was in Ghana at this point. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Malcolm X just showed up randomly where she was. And I was like, Malcolm's there? Hmm? And so the, my third answer, my favorite historical moment, is when I'm reminded these are people. These are human beings with full emotional range mm-hmm. who have made decisions. They have experiences. They're not just historical figures, stoic and just sitting. Right. They're people. And I think that, for me, is one of my favorites because it reminds me why history is important to learn the aspects of, like, oh, no, these, these people, they weren't just... Generic posters on the wall, which some people have been like limited to. And humans are very imperfect. Yeah, yeah. And they made mistakes and errors, and yeah, weren't perfect people. Yeah, but then like people laugh. They have friends. They like they chat each other up. They have like full conversations. They argue. It's allowing historical figures to be people. That's mm-hmm. that's the phrasing I want. There it is. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What you got? Um, this is hard because history is everything, right? Like, and there's so many, and I think on the last pod we talked about history being kind of interdisciplinary in nature. So like there are different aspects. I guess I, 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 my, I have a very eclectic list. I was preface with that. Number one, everything about ancient Egypt. Yes. Were you an ancient Egypt kid? I wasn't. I was. But I, I'm, I'm super curious. Yeah. I I will not go down conspiracy theory territory. <laughs> no, this is a, that's, a, that's a different podcast. But how the heck did they build the pyramids? Like, I just don't. We just, I don't know. Like, I, the, the giant statues, like with their technology, with their, you know, infrastructure. How in the world were they able to do as much as they did? It's absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Um, number two probably have to be when the Atari was created because I'm a big video game guy and that's like the, the great, 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 great grandparent of the Nintendo Switch, which I play now. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm, a, yeah, I'm a big video game guy. So like when the original Atari came out, I mean, home home console like kind of changed the entire game, um, and you know, rest in peace to the arcades. I think arcades were really cool, and there used to be a lot of them, but now people yeah. can play games at home, so there's less of a need for them. Um, but yeah, the, when the Atari came out, that was pretty cool. And then um, the last one, I guess, probably Nat Turner Slave Rebellion. Um, favorite is a is a is a weird word to say about this. It's a it's a an event that's most interesting, one of the most interesting moments to me, um, I think because 
most of what you heard about enslavement and slavery during the 246 years was, you know, uh, docile, you know, was, you know, uh, uh, passive, was, you know, the slaves were, you know, were victim, they were victimized, you know, they were the thing that was being acted upon as opposed to active agents. Uh, although and it was very violent, I, th I think it was just interesting to me when I first learned about Nat Slave, Nat Turner Slave Rebellion. Because at first I was in Virginia, in Southampton County, which I had, but yeah, in Southampton County, which I was in our district at the time in high school, um, which is weird. It's two hours from here, Ugh. but um, and there were so many schools that were closer. But Southampton County was in our district, um, and so we drive two hours to go to Southampton to play soccer track cross-country, whatever sports I was playing at the time. Um, so, you know, that the fact that it happened, the fact that it happened in Virginia, and the fact that it was a, a pretty, you know, blatant example of, of slaves not just, you know, enslaved people not just being passive participants in this institution of slavery, that there were instances of where they did fight back and try to get, you know, get their freedom. You can disagree with the methods, but... but by short, it's very violent. But to me, there was no other example that I'd ever gotten of slaves other than, you know, they got whipped, this, that, and the other, you know, the, the roots, whatever. Like, I'd never seen anything or heard of anything like it. To me, it was very interesting. And I'm sure I learned about it before high school, but, like, high school is when it actually, like, clicked. And, like, I'm like, wow, like, these people actually fought back. They took up arms. Like, ooh, that's really cool. Um, I'm going to have to edit that part. <laughs> um, that's really cool. So, Yeah. I support it. You ready? Sure. What is your favorite historical site to visit, or sites to visit? Um, I I like a lot of sites. Um, there are a lot of cool sites. You know, I'm gonna. I'll give three just to, yeah. to be quick. Namak National yeah. Museum of African American History and Culture was absolutely fantastic. Um, free to visit, although the food is very very expensive. But it's, but it's good. Though. But it's free to visit. It was good. It was very expensive. Um, but it was it was, it was amazing. Um, literally on the miles, uh, miles of walking you have to do in the place, it's worth it. Um, fantastic place if you get the chance to go again when things open back up. I'm sure there'll be limited capacity, but fantastic. Um, and I there's no experience I've ever had like it. Um, closest thing was probably the first time I saw Black Panther in the movie theater. Um, I was like, I just sat for tw 10 minutes after and was like, whoa, like for, for we go into the mock, I sat for like five hours and was like, I don't even know where to begin processing. Um, seeing the Emmett Till exhibit, I mean, that was particularly impactful. Um, so the mock definitely to get a chance to go from Farmville on about three hours, which is nice, not terribly far. Um, Montpelier, when I went there, that was really, really cool. Um, seeing their mere distinction of color exhibit. Um, and for me, you heard my rant probably last time about only one person getting the shine for a certain thing, but like um, Madison, James Madison, uh, doesn't get, he doesn't get taught about a lot. I mean, he was really close with Jefferson um, and he was very much in that founding father group, but he don't really get no shine. And so it was interesting to hear about Madison's Montpelier. Um, just because it, it was very interesting to learn about him and his life. And then the mere distinction of color exhibit was absolutely breathtakingly well done. Um, fantastic. And I am, am very encouraged by all these sites that are not shying away from their 
history with enslavement in the past. I'm very much appreciative of sites that just take it on, head on, and just call it what it was. I'm very appreciative of that. And then, number three, I gotta give a big shout out to the Virginia Holocaust Museum in Richmond, Virginia. They are a great institution, they do some great work. We've partnered with them on some stuff. Uh, some some programs, some teacher workshops, and things in the past. They they did do some excellent excellent work. Um, it's I mean it's heavy. It's a heavy topic, uh, but I think they do a great job in in, in telling in a way that is authentic, and that they do a great job of humanizing the story. Um, and and there's their whole pedagogy and their thought and their kind of philosophy on on, on teaching the Holocaust. I think it's fantastic, and they do a great job. So I'm, those are three kind of my three. Them for now. If I didn't say anything about your site, it doesn't mean I don't like your site. You know, I have a big shout out to VMHC when they had the determined exhibit. That was, uh, that was awesome. Um, you know, plenty of other institutions I think that are great, but for now, those are my three with honorable honorable mention to the VMHC. What about you, Leah? What are your what are your thoughts? Okay, so only had two, but to make a third, definitely Namak. You don't have to make a third. I mean, I just I just for consistency's sake. <laughs> Cause that that experience, I knew, like I had to mentally prepare myself for that exhibit. Like I talked to my twin about it. I was like, "Bro, I don't know how I'm gonna do this, but right. I'm gonna like." So kind of think, of course, the mental, like knowing what was coming, cause like you know the story, right? But then to see, to see the casket, is different. It's different, you know. And they like walking up to it, you see pictures of like his mom, yeah, and it's just like. I had to sit like for a minute just to deal with that because it's a grief. It's a real grief and like a fear aspect to it too because it's like, will it happen again? What's going to happen? You know, that kind of aspect of it. So just that museum just for the sheer volume of history. And like their World War One exhibit was amazing. Like when once we got into the museum, I was like, all right, love you guys. Bye. And like went straight to the World War One exhibit. And I spent a lot of time in there. Um, so being able to see the artifacts, I wish I could have engaged closer with Charles Hamilton Houston's World War One diary. Like if they could digitize that, that'd be great. You know, from from my mouth to God's ear, somebody please digitize <laughs> that. Just to see, like, because that shaped the rest of his life. Right. Um. Next, next place, next place. Historic Jamestown, like like the actual fort that they found, William Kelso. Also love his books, easy read, please read those. Um, I um, I dragged my mom there for a field trip. It was, I had a great time, I think she did too. She actually engaged with like the interpreters. I was like, look at mom go, this is great. Um, but like, again, the power of place and being there and when I was little, I wanted to be an archaeologist. I wanted to dig in the dirt all day, which of course did not happen. But I'm a piece of that because I can go to historic Jamestown and see how other people have engaged with like the land itself, what they found, when they found it, and what community it reflected. So it's just a cool space. There are skeletons from the people in there. So like disclaimer, if you're not okay with that. You may see that or just avoid that building altogether. And there is signage, so it's not going to be a surprise. But it's just, you know, 
it's just cool to be able to say like, oh yeah, I went to like the real for it. Um, although I love James Tom's element for sure. It has like the one with the ships versus the one with the cannibalism. You know, that aspect of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then my last place is Fortress Monroe. So background, that's where the first 20 or not and like Africans were brought to America, like English colonial America. That's where it started. It's also where it ended because that's when General Benjamin Butler made the decision, made the call when three African-American men, Frank Baker, Shepard Mallory, and James Townsend literally got in like a boat and made their way across Hampton Roads to the fort and was like, hey, let us in. They were going to be sold. So if they got to Union Line, they were hoping they would be freed there. Butler thought about it and was like, yep, you can come on in. Because the contraband decision, if you say these people were contraband, it means property. Based on the Southern understanding of what slaves were, they were property. So rules of war, that's contraband. Bring them in. Because you can't help with the Confederate war effort. So for me, like, it's where it started and also where it ended. So it gives, like, the full arc of slavery's story within the U.S. Like, it started the dissolving of it anyway. So, yeah, it's just, it's a... You say Townsend or Townshend? Townsend. Like, my last name, Townsend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta do some research. Hmm. Curious. Yeah, yeah, real curious. So, and it's, like, we were talking in a previous pod it's a feeling. Yeah. Like, it's it's, it's like a, it's not an eerie feeling, but it's like a, you are aware something happened yeah. feeling. It's awesome. It's nothing like it. It's awesome. Nothing like it at all. All right. Last question for this episode. Sorry, I spent 10 minutes ranting on Golden Corral, but I'll promise I'll do better. <laughs> um, but this is, time isn't too bad. This and this is going to be an interesting one too, especially to hear Leah's answer to this. Um, what are to you, Leah, are some of the most pivotal moments in African American history? Let's, for the sake of time, limit it to two. Okay. And I'll do the same. Yeah. All right. So the passage of the Thirteenth Amendment. Ooh. Yeah. It ends slavery legally. It ends it. Gone, except as a form of punishment. But that's right. a later story. Ooh, prison industrial complex. There it is. So, it's kind of like, all right, it's done, except just in case, you know, that aspect of it. Right. But then, like, to segue to Juneteenth, how, like, that's Mm. becoming a celebration in some places already was, but it's kind of, like, spreading throughout different communities. Right. That was the day, June 19th, 1865, African Americans who were enslaved in Texas Mm -hmm. heard that they were free. Like, they just didn't know. So, like, could you imagine technically having been free, but not? It's just, like, it's such a weird space. But then right. to have a day to celebrate, to say, like, this is the freedom. This is the day when we started to just be versus, you know, right. being owned. So, yeah, those two events. Yeah, you picked two uh, pretty good ones. Um, now I'm gonna, I gotta think, 
Thank you, thank you, thank you. Shout out to a Thirteenth documentary on Netflix. Fantastic mm. piece if you haven't had a chance to watch it. Um, and are still inside your house. It's a great documentary to watch. Yeah. Um, there's so many moments. I said two for a second time, and now I'm having trouble narrowing <laughs> it to two. Let me just get to two. I think uh, the Dred Scott mm. decision was huge for not good reasons. Um, but I think uh, Dred Scott decision, which basically said that you like basically denied African American citizenship mm-hmm. um, because they were slaves and slaves couldn't sue, and therefore, you know, they couldn't sue, um, which was like, whoa. Um, it was expected probably for the time period that it was in, but um, that really kind of shut the door on any, any future of African Americans and legal fights, at least during that time period. Um, so that was big, I think. And then uh, the other, I'm trying not to cop out and say Brown v. Board, but I, mean, I might be leaning valid. towards Brown v. Board. Let me see if I can go. No, let's go with the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that's pivotal for, for obvious reasons because of what it did, but I think that was like the last, maybe, maybe Loving Me Virginia kind of was the last kind of big civil rights era decision or legislation but I think the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was like finally like we have not won but we've won this battle um, because between you know the Brown decision of 54 and the Voting Rights Act I mean there's so much that happened in between there and I think when you think of traditional civil rights usually we think of it ending around the Voting Rights Act of 1965 if not right at maybe I'll give you know 67 with Love in Virginia for interracial marriage but that, that might be a little bit different but I think really 1965 Voting Rights Act was was hugely significant, and I think it marked like that we're, we're past the point of no return in terms of civil rights, equality, inclusion. You know, it, no matter how hard people fight to maintain this idea of segregation and systemic oppression of blacks, there's always going to be a fight back, and it's not going to last at least in terms of like public sentiment in the court and, and things like that. Um, I think that that's the point in time is when it became not okay for people to just come out and say black shouldn't be able to do this, black shouldn't be, you know, which people still probably said, but like actual, actual backlash for saying those type of things. Am I making sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like to me, it was the end of an era per se, if that, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Um, I mean, you had the, the federal backing for it and then like yeah. federal action too, not just it's on paper, but it's not. Right. Enforced, that's the word. Honorable mention just the whole 1968 year in general, just because that was a tumultuous year. Yeah. Yeah, so not bad, 30 minutes, and I'll do some editing in there to fix my noise I made earlier. But, um, it's it's authentic. (laughs) Authentic is not always good, (laughs) especially with me. Um, Anything else from you, (laughs) from you, Leah? (laughs) No, I think that about sums this one up. Alrighty, so the next episode, same time, same place, wherever you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Store, or anywhere.com, just look up the mailbag. Please keep sending in your questions to all of our social media platforms or email us, info at mobilemuseum.org. Have a good one. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.